They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, and today we have our guest, Stephanie Hess. Very excited to have her on here. She is the founder and CEO of Stephanie Hess Coaching. She is a heart-led business strategist, trusted advisor to impact-driven coaches, leaders, and CEOs. And uh, we were just talking before we started about how we connected. We met on LinkedIn because she reached out to me. And uh, it was at a time when I had a whole bunch of people reaching out to me to you know, pitch me something. And I'm like, you trying to pitch me something? And she's like, no, no, I just, just want to connect. And fortunately for me, I have the habit of connecting with anyone who asks. And I'm glad I did because uh, she has been an inspiration to me watching her content on LinkedIn, um, kind of reminding me what, what we are in coaching for. So I'm very excited to have her here to share her story and her advice with you. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. It's so it's so awesome to be here with you. Yeah, no, and so I, I want to kind of start with how you got got into where you are, because uh, as as I recall, you you didn't you weren't born rich, going to Harvard and and uh, and having the silver spoon. Is that correct? Sad to say, that was not that is not my story. <laughs> well, that's good because it makes a better story. So, so what is your real story? Oh man, where do I begin? Uh, so I uh, grew up a small, small town country girl in uh, rural Pennsylvania. And we, looking back, we lived in a, a very precious bubble. I didn't know that much existed outside of this bubble. Okay. And yet there was always something that was calling me to uh, to something bigger. I, I felt this pull and this 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 rush of energy uh, really guiding me to the city. And so I took a couple leaps and I, I spent some some time in Philadelphia going to school. And um, back then I was quite the the uh, the dreamers athlete, I guess you would say. I really envisioned a career in professional sports. I had a grandpa and a dad and and a lot of men around me who were just really athletic. And I thought, oh, that would be so fun to do something in the sports world. And so um, that, end up, that ended up working out for a small period of time. But I went to New York City. And um, from there, I really found a career in in the global cosmetics industry. And this was something that at the time, I mean, I was, I had come out of an internship. I was making $25 a day living in New York. Uh, You can imagine how that went. And I was looking everywhere for my first big opportunity. And I just remember calling a local, calling a local temp agency And the guy said, oh, there's an opportunity up on this street. Take this address and and go and interview. And it turned out to be uh, a 10-year career that I I created in in the cosmetics field. So um, from that place, I was really, really given a lot of of opportunity and um, 
there, there came a point where I was looking at the female leaders ahead of me and I realized, oh, you know what? I'm not sure that I want that life. They were working around the clock. Um, sure, they were collecting a nice paycheck, but you know, when, when they weren't able to, to really spend it uh, with their family and, and see their kids, I just thought, I don't think that's the direction that I want to take. So uh, I remember just saying a prayer. It was 2015. I was literally on, on my parents' couch right after Christmas. And I uh, just asked for a sign to be shown what to do next. And so I opened up the computer and there was a banner ad that appeared and it was for coaching. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't know much about coaching, uh, yet it made all the sense at the same time. So I dove into it and I started working on that dreaded exit strategy. And uh, within eight months, I walked out of that ivory tower and haven't looked back. Wow. And there's a, there's a, few, a few things I hear in that story, a number of which are just kind of, you know, you went for it. You, you left rural Pennsylvania to go to Philadelphia. Uh, Was there some pushback to your family? Be like, Philadelphia, why why do you want to go there? Or were they like, yes, go to the city, find your fortune. You know, I would say part of my... Part of my success has has been that I I come from very very a very supportive family. I'm so blessed, right. and so they really were, they have been my biggest cheerleaders. But that said, it it was a completely different world, and so mm-hmm. I remember when my mom dropped me off, I could I could kind of see the fear in her eyes, but um, she was a trooper. She was a trooper. <laughs> Good luck, honey. Hope to see you in a week, maybe if yes. you're still here. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, as I said with New York, you, so it was moving to New York kind of the same thing that you're like, let's just, let's do this. Did you have a plan there? Did you have somewhere to land or just move to New York and say, let's find a job. What's going on? Yeah. You know, my family started to get used to me or used to getting the call for me where I would say, all right, this is, this is what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's what's going to happen. And, um, again, very, very grateful for their support. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I had the chance to do an internship, uh, like I mentioned, making very, very little money. It wasn't about that at the time. I knew I would figure out the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just had to follow that inner, it was this inner, inner spark, inner burn inside that just was kind of guiding me in that direction. I really can't explain it other than a, a feeling. Yep. No, and that's and that that's definitely a thing. And I think sometimes people are so fixated on the the being responsible. You know, where are you going to go? What's your plan? My plan is to follow this spark and see where it leads. Um, and I, I I love what you said about the internship. I, I had the opportunity to to talk to a a rising senior. It's a term I hadn't heard until recently, but you know, junior into senior year in the summer. And and I, we we're talking about unpaid internships. And I was I had the chance to talk to him for about a little over an hour. Uh, we were we were in a car together. And I was giving him all this advice. And of course, in high school, you don't learn any of this stuff. You learn nothing about how the world works. I like to say it's like you spend 22 years being taught to play baseball, and then you get to life and it's a basketball court. Mm-hmm. And you've never seen a basketball. You're standing there with your, your bat and your glove, and you're like, how do I even play this game? So we're talking about you know how you get experience, how you network. And I said, can you afford an unpaid internship? I, I didn't know him. And I'm like, do you need to work during the, the summer, or can you afford not to? He's like, well, you know, I, I want to get paid what I'm worth. And I said, Let, let's put it a different way, because he was interested in sports management. 
um, and there's a particular Division One school near him. I said, how much would you pay to be able to hang out in their office with the big wigs in the sports management part? How much would you pay to hang out with them for a week? And he's like, oh, I'd probably pay quite a bit. I said, cool, because unpaid internship, you don't have to pay. It's free. And he's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Wow. But I think you know, people don't understand how much experience is worth, how much networking is worth, how much those connections are worth. And as a guy who knows a guy, you really <laughs> get the, the, you know, the, it's all about relationships. Yes. And I see this more and more as my business grows, but yeah, it is wherever there is someone out there that you can connect with and just nurture and, and get to know and build rapport with, um, from that place. So, so many things can happen. Absolutely. Um, and, and the other thing that I like, you know, you, talked about, you basically set a prayer for guidance. This concept of surrendering is something I hear a lot in. I mean, it's a, it's a religious concept very often, you know, surrender to God's will, but even in a secular context, uh, you hear that in coaching, which is, you know, we try to hold on so tightly. Um, you see people hold on to a bad job and, and they, they can't let go. And, and finally something happens, you know, that their boss, does something, there's a physical danger at the job, someone harasses them, whatever, like, okay, now I have to go. And, and they're forced to surrender because they got nothing left to hold on to. Uh, But, you know, making that choice ahead of time, looking down the road and saying, all right, I don't like what's three miles down there. I'm going to find an off ramp now. Universe, God, whoever, tell me where it is. What's the plan? Guide me there. Can you talk a little more about sort of what, what that's done for you? Oh, wow. Yes. And, you know, in hindsight, I, there were all of these nudges, Mm -hmm. uh, universal source, God, uh, whatever you believe in, all of these nudges that were occurring uh, in my world mm-hmm. that at the time I just kind of ignored or, or I didn't, I didn't fully comprehend what was happening. And so I, I kept kind of, I just continued to, to trek on and one thing would happen and I would, uh, ignore it again. And uh-huh. so little things like, uh, I remember when I was feeling so out of alignment in my corporate position, and this was showing up for me in ways where I, I was slowly starting to feel resentment towards the work that I was doing. And I was looking and, and seeking opportunities outside of, of what I was because I thought that would be the cure. And everything, every opportunity that I was applying myself or applying for and putting myself in front of, it wasn't happening. Mm. And I didn't know why. In hindsight, this was the universe's way of redirecting me and putting me on my intended path. Mm-hmm. So the big disruption, the, the big dis- divine disruption really occurred when I was just at my metaphorical breaking point that Christmas 2015, and I knew that something had to change. And that was the moment of surrender for me. And so, and what I realized is surrendering is, is only uh, as good as our willingness to mm-hmm. answer the call once we mm. surrender. Yep, yep. So when I got that, that message, what I believed was the sign that I asked for, which was coaching, I just, I leaned into it and the old me would probably have been like, ah, 
no, that's a mistake. That's not for me. That, that's, that was for someone else. And I just trusted. I trusted that that was it. And I'm so glad I did because it truly, um, it, it has now shown me that why I was put on this planet, I deeply believe, is, is to be a coach. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I can I can very much resonate with that. So I totally understand. And I'm thinking about as you're talking about it, you know, we hear concepts like, uh, you know, we use words like the universe because nobody wants to impose their their beliefs. But it but that applies to whatever you whatever form you believe that that God or the divine consciousness or whatever takes. And it's interesting how universal it is. I, I've I've met dozens of coaches, and I don't think I've met one yet who's really hardcore atheist. Who's like, nope, it's all about science and a system and you do this and neurology and boom, 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 boom. Even if that's the modality they use to build their business and to market and to the tools they teach, almost all the, everyone I can think of who's successful has some aspect of, I got a sign, I got a connection, I felt a nudge, I felt pushed. And you know, it's the more successful people are, and you, know, you want to look at kind of the science of it. These are people who are successful. These aren't people who are struggling being like, yes, I wait for a sign. These are people who, you know, they just signed their $10 million deal. And they're like, well, yeah, I just kind of had a feeling I should uh, take this, you know, I should make one more phone call today. And, and there it is. Or, or something told me I should, should do this. And, you know, that, that's, how the, that's how they find success. And I'm sure, you know, not always does that one more phone call actually come out to something. But, but it's just interesting how much the successful people I meet believe in something guiding their path, um, which I think is also humility. They're not saying, I guided my path all the way here. Look how good I am. It's, I was humble enough to accept the universe's guidance and it got me here. Sure. I love that you're saying that. And I think that for many coaches, it, it it's a couple things. There's this, this uh, access of deeper intuition. I think mm -hmm. the more that you work on your coaching ability, the, the stronger your intuition becomes. And that's a powerful tool to support your clients, but also uh, it's a powerful way to live your life. And when we are tapped into that, that strong source within us, we become more of this open channel to receive those downloads, those messages, the guidance. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember for me, there was a, a period where I was completely dark in, in that in that sense. And where I was very much living my life as if things were happening to me, not mm -hmm. for me. And the more that I've, I've leaned into um, just, you know, connecting to something out there that is so much bigger than me. Um, like there is, I, I never could have got gotten myself on this path. Never. It was all, it was a co-creative choreographed yep. process. And um, the more that I lean into that, the more miracles truly show up in life. And so I would just add for anyone listening um, in this moment, if there is something that you are facing that feels impossible, hard, overwhelming, uh, that you're just wanting to give up, um, trust that there is so much gold in what you're dealing with right now that you can use to bless others one day if you choose. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and another, another point, you, you mentioned co-creating. So I think sometimes people have this idea of like, oh, I'm giving up responsibility or, you know, if I'm, 
and, and they may look at more religious people. And sometimes you see religious people, you know, people who are, are very religious who who kind of don't acknowledge their own role in it. They're like, oh, I'll just let God help me. Like, well, yeah, but you got to do something too. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the, the joke about the, the guy who's on the roof and the water's rising, you know, it's a flood. And, you know, guys on the roof and, and some guys come along in a boat and say, hey, come on in the boat. And he says, no, 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 God will help me. And then another, you know, a Coast Guard boat comes along and come on the boat. No, no, God's going to save me. <clears throat> and finally, you know, the water's coming up. The helicopter comes overhead. Sir, grab the rope. Nope, God is going to save me. And, of course, he drowns, as you would expect. He gets the pearly gates. He says, God, I've always been religious. I've always been devout. I've always done everything. Why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What else did you want? But, you know, he had to choose to get in the boat and choose to take the action. Um, and, and there's always that component where once the universe tells us, walk this path, you got to start walking and take responsibility. Like, you got the path. Now you have to walk it. Pray and move your feet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to move your yeah, feet. I think, yeah, that, that, that's, I think it's a huge part of it that we're taking the responsibility. So it's a combination of surrendering to the universe but also acknowledging that you're the result of all your choices. And if you can carry that, that seeming contradiction, then I think there's a big answer there. That was one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn or almost, almost unlearn uh-huh. would probably be more appropriate working in the environment. Uh, no matter if you're, you're in the corporate space or wherever you are, I think today, especially there is so much, uh, entitlement going mm-hmm. around. I certainly was a very entitled person at one point, uh, thinking and expecting just things to to come. And um, and when I really made the commitment to take one hundred percent personal responsibility mm-hmm. for my life, my life changed. My relationships changed. My bank account changed. Mm-hmm. And how I apply this today, even even uh, in an example of, let's say, if I have some meetings scheduled on the calendar, uh-huh. and if energetically I'm waking up in the morning and feeling like, oh, I really, I just really can't, I can't do this today. I don't want to do this today. And then I, I open my inbox and a couple of those meetings have have come off they've been canceled or rescheduled. Mm-hmm. That is simply a direct re- indirect response to my energy. Mm-hmm. I manifested that. And yep. I can't, I, I, could, I could then become frustrated or angry or upset or, oh, why would they cancel the, the day of or the morning of? Well, no, Steph, check your energy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's how you, the universe is always responding to how we are flowing our energy. And that for me um, has been one of the most powerful shifts that I've made in my life and my business. And it's also something that I really, I, I, I share with my clients because when we can get a handle on this, oh, life just becomes so much more awesome and free. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely know there might be some people listening, but like, this sounds like some, some woo woo new agey cult kind of stuff. And, and you know, it, it sort of sounds like because I'm from your know, skeptical geek sort of background, but I've spoken to enough people who are successful who talk this way, and it's not like they're all going to the same same temple of the divine spirit or something. It's that they've all had the experience and they share language because, like, how do I describe, you know, waking up in the morning and not wanting to have appointments and they got canceled and I feel good about it? But it's 
it, it, it definitely is, is a thing, but I actually want to kind of get, get to a little more of the nitty gritty of, um, so, you know, you, you said you saw, saw an ad for coaching. Um, so what, what did you actually do? Cause maybe some people out there is like, yeah, I, I got some experience. I like helping people. How do you actually become a coach? So what did you do? You know, what, after you saw the ad, uh, what were the, the actual steps it took to get from there to really being a coach? I moved my feet instantly. Okay. When I saw this, this uh, ad pop up, Michael, I, I was, I was of the mindset of what, what, what does coaching even mean? What do you do? How could I, how could I ever be a coach? Yep. Interestingly, I realize now I've been a coach my whole life. Mm-hmm. I trusted so much that it was here to serve my greater good. Mm-hmm. And I went to that website for the coaching school that, that was being promoted. I enrolled immediately. Mm-hmm. Within two weeks, I want to say this was December 27th. And by January 6th, I was, I was in the coaching school. Okay. Yep. And I was simultaneously, I was still, still working nine to five or let's be honest, nine to nine. And uh, and I was, I was working on getting my coaching certification. I started coaching friends and family. Um, I hired my first life coach ever and she truly helped empower me to to know that I I could walk away. I mm-hmm. could do this. I could follow in footsteps similar to hers. And um, from that place, within six six or so months, I had a plan on how I was going to walk away. And uh, and we just worked the plan. Uh, and and so you, it says in your your bio, you coach uh, coaches, leaders, and CEOs. Um, and so, so how did you get the, you know, the, the skills, the background, the, the credentials, so to speak, although coaches tend to be more results than, than words on paper. Um, but, but how did you get the, the confidence and the standing to be able to coach those folks? Hmm. That took some time. Mm-hmm. When I first started, I, I referred to myself as many new coaches do as a new coach. I thought that I was starting from ground zero. I thought that I had to charge really low. I thought that mm-hmm. I had to uh, work with lower caliber um, people, and that felt comfortable to me mm. at that in that moment. And interestingly, there were all of these uh, divine disruptions along the way. There were there would be people coming, coming to me, showing up, whether it was in networking spaces or online meetings or things that uh, were kind of here to be coached. And I was sabotaging all of that because in my mind, I thought I, I couldn't possibly coach them. I'm a new coach. Hmm. And the reality is I wasn't new at coaching at all. I had been coaching already for 15 to 20 years. I just mm-hmm. wasn't getting paid for it. Like yep. so many people entering the coaching space. I also, despite the the 10 year business uh, Fortune 500 background, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's all fine, but it, that's that's nothing when it comes to building and marketing a business online. That's completely right. different. So I put myself in 
the, and I know you're a big fan of this too, you're actively doing it. Mm -hmm. I put myself in rooms where I could learn, where I could sharpen my tool. I was constantly doing this. Mm -hmm. I sought out the best teachers in my field and I made sure to always, always be in the room, whether mm -hmm. it was taking one of their classes or attending a, a, a live event when we were still doing live things. <laughs> um, I was always doing that. And that is that I just had my head down. I was so monomaniacally focused, as Robin Sharma would say, mm -hmm. on on this one thing, on honing honing my gifts as a teacher, as, as a coach, as a mentor. And from there, the, the universe was responding to this. More and more uh, aligned clients were showing up. And that's kind of how the process unraveled for me. And I will be very clear, there was a very dark period within all of that mm -hmm. where the money wasn't coming in. And I started to have doubts because... Here, I was coming out of a successful career, and I thought that it would be easier than what it was to make money online, and it just mm -hmm. wasn't. So the internet is full of money. It is. You just have to figure out how to how to yeah. share share a piece of that that big pie. Yep. Yeah. Every business plan says if we can just capture one percent of this market, you're like yeah, but you got to capture one percent of that market. Um, and so, how did you get through that? First, like logistically, how did you get through it? Did you actually did, did you have savings? Did it run out? You know, how did you get by from day to day? And then how did you get through that on the, the bigger picture? A mentor of mine refers to uh, the moment when we're leaving the professional setting or corporate setting and, and heading into coaching or entrepreneurship. He refers to it as a J curve, uh -huh. where the curve coming down, that can be really steep yep. for some people. And it can take a while to come up around the other side. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a plan for that. And I, I felt really good going into it that mm -hmm. I had enough in the savings account. Yeah. I didn't realize that the first thousand days of entrepreneurship would be the toughest. Uh -huh. I did not account for three years of struggle. Yeah. That's not to say that everyone is going to struggle for that, that length yep. of time. What, what I had to do was make a lot of sacrifices, as so many of us do, that are mm -hmm. taking this leap. There are so many sacrifices. Um, I, I had to move all of my belongings home uh, to my parents' basement at 32, mm -hmm. as people were, as friends were having, getting married and having babies, I was trying to birth my dream. I was okay. missing weddings and, 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 and parties and, and things like this. And, um, you know, it was, it was a challenging, challenging time. And I just leaned on all of the support that I had available. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. From from that point, it was a matter of really just doing the work. Um, I, I was actively looking for people to coach, yep. even, if they, even if they didn't pay me at the time. Mm -hmm. And 
I, because of the savings cushion I had in the beginning, it wasn't a panic point for me from a financial perspective. Uh-huh. If, if, if you're listening and you're wanting to walk into the space and, or start, start a coaching or, or any type, type of company and you don't have a savings cushion, I would recommend figuring out a way to bring some kind of money in, maybe driving Uber or something, because when you are in this frantic place, uh, this this panic point, it's yep. very hard to create clients from that 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 place. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I can definitely attest to um, to the benefit of that and of Uber because uh, I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not at the point where I have a lot of clients, um, and that's part of why I'm going on this journey through season three of the podcast. Bring on all these successful people. Say, what was your story? Because the first person who needs to hear it is me, and then my my audience can listen in too. Um, but I, I decided a few months ago. You know, I started doing DoorDash and then Uber, and you know, Uber is paying like twenty nine dollars an hour right now. So you can work twenty five, depending on your cost of living. Um, you know, you can work part time. It's not a very tiring job and focus on the business, then you're not in that, that place of starvation. Um, and if you, you know, once you realize that, I mean, this is a great time to be an entrepreneur because there's so many gigs that you don't have to get a job and work after hours. You can get a gig and live off that. And that's, and that's hugely, um, hugely valuable, but, but yeah, it, it gets you out of that, that pan. Cause you, you never want to take a client cause you have to, mm-hmm. um, cause that's a very bad place to be in. Cause then you're not serving them. You're not serving yourself. The energy is, totally wrong going into that situation. Yeah. No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, in essentially what you're talking about, you know, taking the right kind of clients, focusing on, on the higher ones. One, one challenge I found was that I'm really drawn to people who are just starting out, the people who don't have money, partly because a lot of coaches aren't, you know, they want the ones who are three years in the ones who can afford the $20,000 program. And, you know, I'd like to serve them too, but I think I'm really called to serve the ones who, don't have the savings and don't know what to do and don't know that first step. Um, and once I finally accepted that, I started saying, Oh, I need to have a $20,000 program. I said, yeah, I'll get there. But right now I need to help these people just get started. And once I accepted that and accepted that some of them can't afford it, I'm going to adjust my rates for them because they're committed. They just don't have my standard rate. Um, and that's my, my mission. I suddenly felt, you know, this huge weight came off. And now I can follow, you know, follow the mission. I think that that's one of the huge things is not trying to impose either your own views or other people's views on where you should go and following, surrendering to the universe, saying, all right, I, you want me to help people who don't have enough to pay the full, I'll figure it out that that's what you want me to do. That's what we're going to do. And then you're attracting people from that, from that place, mm-hmm. which must feel so much better. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and once I stopped worrying about, how much they could pay, I discovered they could pay more than I thought they could. So, cause you know, you attract, you know, I'm attracting the right people. I'm attracting people who are committed to their growth, committed to help. Um, and what's amazing is, so I, I don't negotiate prices um, with, with my clients who can't afford my full rates. I ask them, what can you afford? And tell me the number. And I'm going to say, yes, that, that's our negotiation. You're going to tell me what you think you can afford. And I'm going to say yes to it. Um, and I know that your integrity will drive you to make this, you know, do whatever's right, whether it's, it's connecting me to other people, referrals, paying me more when I get you to a better place, um, paying it forward into the universe, whatever, you'll figure that out. I'm not going to be a bill collector. Um, I'm going to help create abundance in the world around me and 
I'll be standing near the abundance when it happens and I'm sure it'll work out somehow. And it's, it is such a different way to think than the, the car salesman mindset of like, well, it was 23, five, and I guess we can go down to 23, four and, uh, you know, whittling away. It's, it's, it's just an amazing way to, to live. And nobody likes a dirty car salesman. Yes. Yeah. I, I was very clean when I was a car salesman. I showered every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it sounds like Michael, you, you have designed your business in a way that really works with you and aligns with your values and the way that you mm -hmm. want to show up. And I just, I really honor and celebrate that because, oh man, I hope a lot of people listen and hear that uh, because it's so easy when we're starting out, especially in coaching to really mm -hmm. look to what everyone else is doing and, and how they're structuring and how they're pricing and what their packages look like. And then kind of, you know, bringing that mold into what we're doing and it doesn't always work. So the best thing we can always do is lean into what feels really good yes. and let that lead because everything else will fall into place mm -hmm. from that point. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and so, so who, what, what's your focus now? And I, I assume you're, you're past that dark spot now and you're doing, doing a bit better. So what, what's your business look like at this point? Ah, oh, the business is thriving. Uh, we just have amazing, ambitious, aligned clients that are showing up uh, from all, all around the world. Uh, I'm really looking at how we can have an even bigger impact, but not in the conventional uh like everyone loves to, to talk about scale. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of cringe at that just because for now, I'm really committed to providing really high touch service mm -hmm. uh, to my clients. I love rolling up my sleeves and getting in there with, with, with my people. And so for us, we're really building more of, uh, I suppose it's, it's more of a boutique company where we have a handful of really amazing clients that we're working with at any given moment. And that feels really good for right now. Um, and also just slowly adding a couple amazing people to my team. Uh, I have someone who's doing some coaching uh, for me, which gives my clients a, a different perspective, which I love. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I never want them to think that they will get everything from me. That, that yep. will never happen. So you're um, not going to build the cult of Stephanie? Uh, no, no, not happening. Uh, so yeah, things, things are just awesome. And I'm so, so blessed and grateful. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, and I think that you brought up a great point uh, about the scale thing. I, I'm thinking about you know where I got the idea that I have to charge a lot and have to build a scalable program. And you think about the math of it, people who scale their businesses reach more people. So if you're out there in the general coaching world, who are you going to hear from more? The ones who have scaled. Because if the guy who scaled talks to 100,000 people and, Stephanie, you talk to 500 people, well, that guy's going to talk to a lot more people. So statistically, you're much more likely to hear from from Mr. Scale than, than more the boutique and the hands-on and the one-on-one -on -one and the, the more engaged, engaged kind, of kind of coaches, which I think is interesting. interesting yeah. sort of thing. And there's no right or wrong way. Again, this mm -hmm. is where everyone should lean into and follow what feels really good and align yes. with their mission and values. Um, I just, I've always been, and I suspect you're this way too, Michael. Uh, I just, I've always loved to go deep with one yes. person at a time over, yep. over going really wide. And that's mm -hmm. how I built my business. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really the opportunities and all of it is, is quite 
limitless. Yep. And so how has the past year affected your business? That for those who are listening in the future, COVID, how did the pandemic affect your business? Yeah, you know, I feel very lucky to say that we had our best year yet in 2020. Um, and what I noticed very early on in, in 2020 was there were kind of two, two entrepreneurs emerging. There were those who were keen to just kind of set back and, and wait for it to all blow over. Mm-hmm. And they lost a lot of momentum doing yep. that. Yep. And there were the ones that chose to roll up their sleeves, look for opportunity and look for beyond opportunity. Really, it became a value piece. How could how could they provide? How could I provide even more value for people in that year when things were so tough mm-hmm. on a global global level? And um, that's that's the path that we chose. And um, yeah, it, it was it was an incredible year. Yeah, I think for the people who are the real, because there, there's business owners, there's entrepreneurs, you know, the people who start a business because that's the way they found to make a living. But, you know, it, the entrepreneurs are people who are always looking for the next thing. They're always on the move. And so, you know, the sense I got from from people who are really entrepreneurially spirited in 2020 was, oh, this is interesting. What's next? You know, how do we adjust to this? Because there's always something changing in business. And sometimes you the business owners who just ignore things changing until they can't ignore them anymore. Um, but, but yeah, the entrepreneur is, is month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year. Okay. What's different this year? What's different this month? What's different this week? And if you give into that too much, then you create the change and you've got a new program every week at a new direction every month and, and you can get very scattered, but it makes you very resilient. You know, no matter what happens, like ah, the world can't impose nearly as much change on me as I can impose on me. So true. Yep. Um, yeah. And so, so what, what do you find are, are some of the biggest challenges that people um, are running into when trying to run business, make a change, follow their path? Um, you know, what, where are you kind of able to help people the most? Mm. I would say the biggest is the shiny object. Ah, syndrome, shiny object. Yes. Which is, is a very, it can be a very tragic thing, right? Mm-hmm. When, and it's really, it's no one's fault. There are a lot of amazing things out there at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened is it's it's pulled people out of the ability to, to hone in on one thing. Mm. And that's really a lost art. There's a whole book. Uh, uh, I forget the author, but the one thing. What is the one thing you want to focus on and focus on and and become masterful at mm. versus trying to do a million things that you think you should be doing because others are out there tweeting and Instagramming and TikToking all day yep. about them. What's the one thing that lights you up? And how can you go so deep on that and let that let that lead you. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the because of this, I think a lot of the foundational, uh, the essentials of business building, the building blocks that you really need to be successful, are missing for a lot of a lot of people um, yep. because of this. There's there's you know not not nearly as much time spent on how to go deep and get really focused on one area as much as, oh, well, let's try all of the things. Mm. And 
there is a time and place for that. There, you know, you might have to try a lot of things to figure out what that one thing is for you. And that's, that's a beautiful part of the journey as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But really understanding and having awareness as to when that is, is inhibiting your growth and your success. Yeah, uh, that's, that's huge. Actually, I recently did a workshop uh, called avoiding shiny object syndrome. Um, Cause I was trying to figure out how to package what I was teaching. I'm like avoiding shiny objects seems like the, the core part of this. That's, that's a huge, huge, I, I think some of the challenge too is yeah, everything, you know, marketing is so good now that everything seems like the solution to everything. Oh, this lead funnel will solve everything. This coaching mindset strategy will solve everything. So you dive into it. And of course it doesn't solve everything. And then you dive into the next one and it doesn't solve everything. Um, and and I, I think kind of conversely, because all of these things are, are deep and narrow. Um, if you're a new entrepreneur, it's very hard to find something that's, that's broad. I've actually started putting together a resource. You know, I don't know if I'm necessarily the expert, but I'm the one who's doing it. So that makes me the expert, uh, a resource on that. That's an inch deep and a mile wide on business that talks about all the, cause I run to people who, you know, you know, what's your business email address. It's, you know, Joe's business at gmail.com. Like you can buy a domain for $12. You don't have a business yet if you're a Gmail address. Um, just these basic things that this is checklist. You should have a separate bank account for your business. Not everyone knows that. You should track your mileage when you drive your car for business. You can save 46 cents a mile on your taxes. People don't know that. Just all these little things um, that because because I think they're getting a lot of their information from these these very shiny pillars that are, are calling out to them and and pulling them off the course. So I think yeah, it's, it's great that you're, you're working with people. So, so how do you... Uh, how do you help people to avoid the shiny objects? Well, first, it, it's a part of my pre-qualifying process. So anytime I'm, I'm speaking to a potential client, it's very clear uh for for them that we work with people who are willing and happy to commit to one strategy mm. and leave all the rest. Okay. If we can't do that, uh, it's it's just not going to be the best best relationship. And of course, we are results driven. We are outcomes uh, driven, and we want our clients to to get results that we know that they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to work in our containers if you are uh, if you are distracted out here and, and yes. doing doing everything but what we are teaching you. Um, because mm-hmm. look, the thing with mentorship and coaching is, and what you're do you're creating for your your clients. You're helping people fast track because you you traveled the road, you you hit the roadblocks, you have the the intel now, and you can help people speed up, accelerate their results in a way that perhaps you didn't because mm-hmm. you had to go through that. That is one of the the most powerful tools of of coaching and and mentorship. Yep. Um, yep. And I, I want to give that gift to people. They have to be willing to to commit to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's a big foundational aspect. And this is also something that I really, really work with clients on getting getting a lot of clarity and confidence around who the people are that will get the best results working mm-hmm. with you. And let's be really upfront about who 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 that is. So you can make sure that you're you're drawing those people forward and you're repelling anyone who isn't that which will make your life a lot, a lot easier and, and theirs as well. Yep. And, and to share the mistake I made, it's not a question of who can you, who can pay. 
It's a question of who can you provide the most value for and who can you help the most exactly. and then figure out how to make the money off it later. But put per, find who you can give the most value to and that's where you're going to be most satisfied and where you're going to feel best and we're going to be you know in alignment with with your path. And, and you know, because that's a mistake I made. I was like, oh, the people I want to help don't have money. Let me try over here. Let me try over there. And I kept being out of alignment and it just didn't it didn't feel right. And then, you know, I started saying, okay, let me, uh, let me work with people who I'm meant to help and we'll figure out the money later. And sure enough, it's figuring itself out. Amazing how that works when you, you focus yeah. on giving value. Money is, is the byproduct of value yep. and service. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. And, and the universe will make sure it gets to you. It will it'll if, get there. If we're having a, a down month, I, I can look back on the calendar and, and look at how many people I created value for that month. Mm-hmm. It usually is always connected. Oh, well, yep. we, didn't, we didn't make this this month because you only supported three people yep. in 30 days or something, something along those lines. It's mm-hmm. a powerful uh, KPI. Yep, that makes sense. Um, so uh, you know, one, one final question. Um, so you're talking about kind of helping people get started and, and focused and whatnot. Um, so what do you wish that a coach had told you early on in your, your journey, whichever, whatever point in your journey you'd like to pick, but uh, early on in your journey, what do you wish a coach had told you that, that you didn't know? Coach, coach, coach your tail off. Mm-hmm. And so if someone's listening and, and they don't resonate with coaching, whatever the thing is for you, do that and get comfortable with hearing no. Hmm. Those are the two things for me. So what I mean by that is instead of spending months perfecting or thinking that I'm perfecting copy on my website and tinkering with the website, I should have, I could have been creating value and being of service to people and coaching people, working on honing my craft. Mm -hmm. But I was doing everything except that because that was the thing that that felt a little scary at the time. Yep, yep. Love that. Go out there, serve people, make proposals, and collect no's. Mm-hmm. That was a game changer when I heard that. Because when I heard my first no, I certainly wanted to go back to bed. I, I wanted to throw it all away. I wanted to tell myself that I wasn't made for this. It's not for me. It's too hard. And when a mentor of mine said, oh, you heard you heard 10 or 15 no's? Okay, go out and collect 500. Come mm-hmm. back to me. And then let's talk. Yep. Yeah, it's a great strategy. I love that, uh, the counting no's. Because they don't matter, but they add up fast. So you feel like you're doing something. So it's really great. And, it builds confidence yep. in you. It and it creates more space for the right yes to appear. Yep. And and I love what you say about about coach or you know follow whatever your path is, your tail off instead of um, you know that that's one of the decisions I made because uh, you know I, I was waiting for the people who could pay full price, which meant I wasn't coaching. Says <laughs> you know if I can't find the person to say yes, I'm not getting the practice. Um, and so making the decision a while ago to be like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to help people that they need to be helping and help them. And every time I coach someone, I learned a lot from them about what works, what doesn't work, the universe, the way the job market is that they're in, the way their industry is. Um, and I, 
whether I get money for it or not, I always get paid. Um, always comes back. Yep. It, that is a universal law. It might not come back via a check from that very person. It mm-hmm. will come back to you from somewhere, someone, something else. Absolutely. That is, that is completely true. Yeah. So I love the, I love the story. I love your energy about just, just kind of going for your great example. Um, to, to many people. Um, so if somebody wants to, wants to find you, um, and so I, I definitely recommend people should look for you on LinkedIn, um, because if they want to see how to market on LinkedIn, Stephanie has on LinkedIn as someone to follow because you, you're definitely following all the best practices. Is that the term for it? Um, you're a LinkedIn promotional rock star. Um, but, but how else can people find you if they want to connect or, or follow up? Stephanie has coaching everywhere. Okay. That is That's where easy. we are. So just kind of like type in notepad Stephanie has coaching and you'll disappear. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Go outside, Stephanie has coaching. And, and you just like walk out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. Now that's some ubiquitous marketing. <laughs> you might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I guess that's kind of what, what, uh, what the, you know, Alexa and, and Google home are, you know, <laughs> you just be like, you, you, you say the, I, I don't say the activation phrase out loud, of course, but you know, activation phrase, Stephanie has coaching, bring her to me. And there it is. Like, hey, 2050, this, this might just be happening in real yep. time. I, I think like 2025, we got to, we'll have, we're getting some of that voice activated stuff. There's some All crazy right. stuff going on. Although I will, I, check, I will check in with you in four I, years. I turned off my Google home because it will occasionally register like while I'm recording something. And so I had to turn off the, the voice activation because that was sort of awkward. And you're like, no, not you. <laughs> Calm down, computers. Like my cat or my kid. They always want attention. Um, but unlike the cat and the kid, you can flip a switch and they don't uh, they do not do that. Um, but so Stephanie has coach. So is, that, is that Stephanie has coaching.com as well? Yes. Okay. Um, so Stephanie has coaching.com and, uh, and definitely check out what she does on LinkedIn because she's got some great content. And, and, I, and I've, I've commented on some of your stuff that, that I'll read so much you say and be like, yes, that that's the epitome of what coaching is. Cause I think a lot of times people are like, so what's a coach do? Um, and you, you do a really good job of summarizing like, this is what a coach is and what a coach does. And, and I really need to paraphrase more of your content into my feed. Um, Cause uh, was it great, great artists, good artists borrow and great artists steal something like that. Um, so, but yeah, you have a lot of, a lot of great content and some great ideas and hopefully people have, Really enjoyed that, uh, and and to anyone listening, if you're if you're thinking like, yeah, I want to start, but I don't have any savings, I'm not sure what to do. Um, definitely do reach out to me because that is what I do. Um, and as I've mentioned, I'm not really fixated on what I charge. Um, I'm fixated in helping people. So uh, come on in, and and for you know for anyone who's resonated with Stephanie, certainly go to her website and reach out and connect, and because she's got just an amazing energy, amazing uh, skills, and and a lot to draw on to share with the world. So thank you so much for being on the show. It has been fantastic to have you here. Thank you, Michael. I enjoyed every second. Great. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. 
If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.